You know, as I was thinking about this Sunday, and it's, it's such a, a great weekend because people get to go see family, they get to go to the river, and then you all get to be with me. <laughs> but thank you for being here, honestly. I, I love this holiday um, because I think of the heritage of our family. And one thing that I prize, I have a lot of things that I prize as possessions, but one of them I have is just a little fragment of an American flag that was carried by my uncle in World War I. And what makes it unique is that he lied about his age and went into World War I as a 16-year-old, and he was trapped behind the, Argonne, the Battle of the Argonne Forest, and only 104 of his men came, uh, came out alive. His captain was someone you probably know, Captain Truman, who later became the President of the United States. And so I carry that, I have that little piece of flag, and it's falling apart, you know, even as we speak. It just doesn't hold up uh, over time. But it's a prized piece because it represents a piece of what this holiday is all about about independence, about sacrifice, about loving God first and loving your nation also. And they're not contradictory, by the way. You can love God and love your country. Ben Franklin said, they who can give up essential liberty to obtain a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. Think about it, we've gone through a season of safety has become the most important thing in our life, even more important than our Constitution. Franklin said, temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. President Andrew Jackson said, you have no longer any cause to fear danger from abroad. It is from within, among yourselves, from corruption, from disappointed ambition, an inordinate thirst for power, that factions will be formed and liberty endangered. It's as though he spoke to our generation, is it not? I really believe we are the first generation who have really witnessed an outright attack on the Constitution of the United States. There has not been a time before this. We are living in unprecedented historical times. Will Durant, the Pulitzer Prize-winning author, said, a great civilization is not conquered from without until it has been destroyed itself from within. General Douglas MacArthur, it is not of any external threat that I concern myself, but rather of the insidious forces working from within, which have already so drastically altered the character of our free institutions. We must unite in the moral courage and spiritual leadership to preserve uh, Involitate that mighty bulwark of all freedom, our Christian faith. So when you read these things, you, you kind of have to go back and go, this is a threat, is it not? There is a threat right now to that which we hold dear. Now, our first residency is heaven. We are citizens of heaven by a relationship with Jesus Christ. And nothing trumps that. But secondly, we are a people of a nation, a nation that has been the drawing point for peoples around the world for hundreds of years. And why is that? It is because it is founded on the principles of liberty and faith given in the Word of God. It's not that we are a Christian nation. We are not. 
It's not that we're perfect. We are not. It is that we do stand out among other nations when it comes to liberty and freedom and opportunity. And that's what made us a city on the hill. That's what made us that light that people were drawn into. When we cease to be good, we cease to be a draw for the world. I read an article just this week, and I'm going to take you through some things, some headlines that kind of caught my attention. And this one was from Fauci, uh, that credible source of science and philosophy. Fauci warns two Americas due to the widening gap between vaccinated and unvaccinated. And when I read that, my first thought was, I, I agree. I agree there is two Americas. I do agree that for some people it is a division if you've been vaccinated or have not been vaccinated. I really believe in the Constitution that you have the freedom to do that or not do that. That is completely your choice. And it should go both ways. But let's just pick up on the idea of two Americas for a moment. Over history, we've always been divided in a sense, and political parties have divided us. Our view of war and capitalism and all of those things have always somewhat divided us, but we have remained somehow in unity under a greater cause and a greater plan for this nation. So recently in the New York Post, uh, among other places, uh, we saw the highlight of uh, Gwen Berry, that Olympic uh, hopeful. And uh, this is from her website, um, the, the picture on the right of her holding the American flag. That was just a couple of years ago. The picture on the left is her defiance and refusal to look at the flag and actually complain about the Star-Spangled Banner and every other American song. So let's look a little further into that in the next slide. And here she is turning her back. I don't know whether she's a disappointed third-place loser, spoiled, but something happened. Because the first and second-place winner are putting their hands over their heart they're honoring the nation that selected them to be a part of the Olympics. My whole idea is that if you don't really love America, you may not want to compete with a country called America. Just a thought. Sometime back, I did a, an interview with the Epoch Times, and he asked me about communism and if I saw any parallels between America and China. And I began to talk a little bit about the state church and the underground church in China. And if you know anything about that, the state church is authorized by the Chinese government, the Communist Party. And they basically do what uh, they're allowed to do on the dictates of the Chinese uh, Communist Party. The underground church, on the other hand, which some have said it could be as high as 300 or 400 million people, is a church that operates outside of government sanction. Uh, and operates, as it sounds, underground. Um, and it is a growing movement of God that's powerful. Uh, if those numbers are correct, then it is the size of America. We are, what, roughly 350 million? Can you imagine 350 million Christians gathering in secret uh, to love the Lord Jesus and believe that even at the cost of their own life, they're willing to serve God? I... Uh, I pinned this term during that, that interview, and it's stuck, and now it's being requoted. 
And I said, I really think there are two churches in America. And I don't mean the Catholic and the Protestant church. I, I actually mean the believing church and the conforming church. And I didn't think I would ever say that, but I've seen more evidence of it as time goes on. Um, the First Amendment, let me just read it to you, just reinforce that in your mind. I know many of you at least know it in part, but it says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people peacefully to assemble and petition government for a redress of grievances. So it makes it pretty clear that there are no exclusion clauses in the First Amendment. In other words, the church is not to be interfered with by the state. And there are, as I said, there are no exclusions, says, except during war, pandemic, you know, whatever you want to, times of economic downturn. It is just free. So as I keep that in mind, one of the reasons that we have been able to, to meet and worship since May of last year, stay open is because we really believe that two things were true. Number one, that Caesar is not God, but God is God. And that's first and foremost. Whether we lived in China or we lived in America, we believe that to be a true statement. That we don't, we're, we're gonna honor Caesar as long as it doesn't interfere with our walk with God. The second thing that we build that on is this, is this, this idea of the First Amendment that we have certain rights as Americans to be able to do what it says in the First Amendment. Now, there have been, most of the churches, I will say, have not done that. Most of the churches, especially in California, we estimate there's about 30,000 churches in America, and less than 10% of them were open in any form or fashion last year, meaning outside or inside. So 10%. So I really struggled with whether I should bring some of these articles to you, but they just kind of, they, they just kept gnawing away at me. And I thought, well, it's in the public space. It's not like they're hidden. And so here's the first one. Andy Stanley is a pastor in Atlanta, and here's what he said. He's embarrassed as, Christi by, as a Christian by churches that uh, sparred with the government over COVID lockdowns. So his whole position is that um, that you should not have opened, you should not have defended a First Amendment right, you should have done what we did and just closed it all down. Um, his church is still closed down, and I'm going to show you, this is a clip from his website, I just pulled it up today, and I, I love the title, Life is Complicated, We Want to Help. I don't know, nothing looks more complicated than what I'm seeing right there. And I, and I look at it, and I think to myself, why does life have to be that complicated? What would really happen if you didn't take, if you just removed the circles? The reason it bothers me is because we are not living through the worst period in American history in our past nor in our future. COVID is not the worst thing that's ever happened in the world. Having an uncle that went to World War I, having a father who fought in World War II in Korea and then was an agent behind the, in East Berlin during the Cold War, I, I know what bad is. I think you do too. Um, another uh, article came out, and this one here uh, is really interesting. It says, patriotism and the church. Is it too much to ask churches to be careful? Now, on, on the outset, it looks like a pretty 
kind of safe and fair question. I, I agree. Yeah, is it too much? No, it's not too much. You can ask that all you want. And we want to be careful, okay? And the, the whole context, remember, is COVID. But you look at the date, it's July 2nd, 2021. Now, if you look a little closer, you might recognize the long-haired guy leading worship whose back is to you, Sean Foyt. Sean has been in our church several times. And, uh, and so this article came out, and the article is not really as nice as the headline. The article basically is that uh, people are worshiping the country and not worshiping God. Okay, so Sean reposted that picture, and here's what he said. Funny how at church lead, illegally used this picture to bash patriotic Christians without knowing this was 7,000 believers worshiping in the middle of the Portland riot. That's a police officer holding the flag asking for prayer. If there's not two churches, I don't know what there is, because the man who wrote that article is, believe it or not, he is a professor at Wheaton Christian College, but he is the dean of the Billy Graham Chair of Evangelism. So the dean of the Billy Graham Chair of Evangelism thinks this was wrong that thousands of people came to faith in Christ, apparently because it was a Portland riot, like they were the only people in the streets. So let's, let's shift from headlines. Let's shift into Scripture. And I really believe there is a destiny for a nation, not just this nation, but every nation. Had we time, we would go back into and understand something about what Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 25, that one, there is coming a day when he will separate the nations one from another, and some nations will go into the millennial kingdom, and some will not. But what does the Bible say? Well, let's go to Acts chapter 17, verses 24 through 27. It says, God who made the world and everything in it. Just push the pause button. God is the creator of all things. He made the world and everything in it. You know what that gives him the right to be? The owner, the king and the Lord. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. In other words, this building is just a building. Another building is just a building. It's God who, what, where does he dwell? All places at all times. He is omnipresent. And where is he chosen to live on earth? Why, in your heart. You are the temple of the living God. You are the moving, life-generating Temple of God everywhere you go, because God is in you. Have you ever, has that just hit you lately? God is in me. I, we've had several new births in our church, and every time I see a little baby, the first thought that goes through my mind, that was inside that woman. It's like the most alien thought in the world, right? That baby was in there. And it's such an amazing miracle, isn't it? Such an amazing miracle. But think about this. Here's another miracle. God is in you. God is in you. He's not just kind of around you, helping you, pushing you, guiding you, you know, giving you a few. No, he's in you. It's Christ in you. That's what makes a Christian. Because when you, when you, when you yield yourself to God and you believe in what Jesus did at the cross of salvation, and you humble yourself before him and you say, God, forgive me of my sins and come live in my heart. What you're really saying is, come indwell me, Holy Spirit of God. 
And that's what he does. Let's read on. Nor is he worshiped with men's hands. In other words, we don't create little idols and say, look, this is how we worship God. As though he needed anything else, since he gives life to all things and breath to all things, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth. And listen to this next part. And he has determined their pre-appointed times. Think about this. God said somewhere in the wisdom of God, the Persian Empire, the Assyrian Empire, the Roman Empire, the Greek Empire, they have an appointed time. And I'm going to allow them to function on earth until that appointed time is up. And when that appointed time is up, it's up. And it says, and their boundaries of their dwellings. In other words, God allowed for boundaries to expand to nations. Nations expand and they shrink back. We saw that with the Persian Empire, and it was a vast empire that spread across the known world at that time. But it shrank back. God says, I, I was in charge of the boundaries of those dwellings so that they should seek the Lord. So why does all this happen? Why did God allow nations, create nations? Why did God set boundaries on them? All of that, why? So men should seek God. So people should hunger after the Lord. So nations, by their very purpose, is designed to bring people to God. Have you ever thought about it like that? They weren't designed just to build armies and, and build factories and then bring about housing and cars and all of that. No, nations were created to get to point people to God. Isn't it amazing? And we're living in a time where nationalism is seen to be a bad thing. Let's get rid of all the nations. God said you're not ever going to do that because I've already said I've determined the boundaries. Regardless where you are philosophically, regardless where you might be politically, it really doesn't matter. This is not politics. This is Bible. God says, I did that. I did that. How about Psalm twenty-two, twenty-eight? For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over all the nations. It's not the king, it's not the president, it's not the prime minister, it's not the queen. No, God ultimately rules over all the nations. You ever just kind of got the idea that we just kind of think we're in control? I kind of think I'm in control. I was driving uh, just the other day, and, a, and a, a, I was getting on the ramp, and the car sped past me. You know, he's just like in such a big hurry. And I thought, you know, I mean, there have been times when I would just give him a good run for his money. You know what I'm talking about? I'd just step on and say, I'll show you. Have anybody ever fallen prey to that temptation, right? Okay, I know my wife does. She falls prey to that all the time. <clears throat> but, um, but you fall prey to it, and then I'm, I'm thinking, I'm just, you know, I'm thinking, I'm kind of going to chill. My wife said, you need to calm down, settle down a little bit, chill out a little bit, right? So I'm chilling. I'm just driving. And uh, then I get up to a stoplight because there was an exit, and uh, the car was here, and there was five cars in front of him, and I passed him and got up to the front. And I never sped. And there was something inside of me that gloated. I don't think it was sinful to you. You see, we think we can, we can forge ahead in our life and make a bigger difference. The reality is God governs the affairs of mankind. God governs our everyday details. Whenever you fall prey to disappointment, ill health, poor finances, or anything else, don't say, oh, me and oh, my. Say, oh, God. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding, the Bible says. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And what will he do? He will make your path straight. What about the character that supports the destiny? There is a, when you think about your personal destiny, its character is what's going to support what you do. You can't say, I have a destiny of God and then do what you want to do, live how you want to live, and avoid God altogether. Look at Psalm 33, verses 10 through 12. The Lord brings the counsel of nations to nothing. So over here, all these nations have gathered, and they're, they're planning, they're plotting against God. He says, no, I bring all that to nothing. He makes the plans of the people of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. And then he says this, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. So nations aren't blessed unless God is the Lord. Only, only America can be blessed when God is the Lord. And I, you say, well, how many does it take for God's blessings to be on us? I don't know. I think we're still being blessed as a nation. In spite of the challenges we have, we're still being blessed as a nation. Amen? And I don't know about you, but I want the blessings to increase. I want us to acknowledge God in every heart, in every mind, in every school, in every business. It goes on to say, blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen for his inheritance. Do you realize that your inheritance comes from God? It doesn't come from your family heritage. That's just money. That's not your inheritance. Your real inheritance is spiritual. It's eternal. It's, it's, it's laid up for you in eternity. The Bible tells us that nations will be judged and nations will be honored. Look at Matthew 25 and 31 through 33. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him. You see, this is how I know nations will continue till the end of the age. Because he says, I will judge the nations in Matthew 24. That's at his second coming. And he will separate them, who? The nations, not individuals here. The nations, he will separate them as sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then he will look and he will welcome those who have honored him as a nation, and he will bring them into the millennial reign of a thousand years on planet Earth. And others, they will dissolve. Peoples will be saved within those nations, but those nations will not exist. It's really interesting. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. I don't know about you, but I've been reading things that, you know, they're going on in, 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 in education, in business, in different areas, and it grieves my heart. Doesn't it grieve yours? I mean, I just go, how can it get this bad? How, how can you just totally, and I know it's not the heartbeat of America as a whole. It, it, it's a controlled element that's happening very, by a very small minority of people. But I want you to know that there is a way to infect change. There is a, you have a voice and you have a vote, and you have to get those out there all the time. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But what about the healing of a nation? I think we could all agree the nation needs some healing, amen? We need some healing. Individuals need healing. You need healings sometimes from emotional things. You need healings from physical things. You need healings from all different kind of aspects in your life. Well, the Bible says this in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. God says, when I shut up the heaven. Now, what that means is he's not talking just about rain, about that abundance that comes. 
He says, when I shut up heaven, you see, all of our blessings, God says, when I open up the heavens and I bless you, it is because I've chosen to bless you. When God shuts the heavens, he stops the blessing. Nations can experience a delayed blessing or a stop blessing. He said, when I shut up the heavens, God says, I will do that because I'm gonna bring you back to me. You ever, you ever got away from God and then all of a sudden your life kind of you know, kind of spun out of existence there, and you're kind of going like, oh, my life is such a mess right now. How did I get in this place? And it seems so sudden. It really wasn't sudden if you look back at it. It was a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there, a little bit more here. And what happened was we just kind of lost control of things, and then we found ourselves spiritually bankrupt when we thought we were rich. You know, Jesus said that to the church of Laodicea. He says, you think you're rich, but you're really poor. You think you're clothed, but you're really naked. You don't know your condition. The worst, the worst situation to be in is to not know your spiritual condition. What if you're not close to God and you think you are? Wouldn't that be a sad thing? I've asked people all the time, well, how are you doing? Well, I think I'm doing pretty good with the Lord. But their life is a disaster. And there's no commitment to Christ, and there's no reading of the Word, and no prayer, and all these things are out, but, but, but I feel good about it. Feelings are deceiving You've heard me refer to my roommate. He felt like uh, at least nine different girls that he dated in college, God had told him to marry. And I, every time he would break up with one, I said, I thought that was the Lord told you to marry that one. Yeah, yeah, but he revised his plan. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I, I know he didn't end up marrying all of them. And not all of them really thought that that was God, God's will anyway. He said, so, or if I command the locust to devour the world. What is that? You see, you know, what, you know what locusts are to the ancient world? It is what inflation is to our world. I saw the price of gas. It was premium. I just remembered that. Uh, and the price of gas in one location we saw yesterday was $4.89 a gallon. That means if you have a 20-gallon tank, it's about $100 kind of what it comes down to. And I remember back, it hasn't been that long ago, that it was more like $4. So that's about $80. Still a lot of money, right? But inflation, what does it do? It eats away at that which you have so that that which you have doesn't go as far as what you once had. The locusts would go in, and sometimes they would devastate the entire crop and wipe it out. Sometimes they would were able to stop it before it got that bad. So I think we're living here in America in some of the, the, the idea that the heavens have been shut up by God. God's saying some things I don't really like and I don't agree with, and I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get your attention. That's what I'm going to do. And he goes on to say here, and I will send pestilence among my people. What's it a pestilence? Well, we could say COVID is a pestilence. It's brought upon by either will of God, the allowance of God, the futility of man, the stupidity of man, or whatever else. However you want it, wherever you want to put the origin, the bottom line is it is a pestilence among us because what did it do? It stopped economy, it changed lives, it took some people's lives, and it made ill health of people. And then our efforts to try to fix all of that, where, whether we control society, whether we vaccinate with, with a, a maybe too quick to, to, you know, to, the, to the forefront of before it's fully tested or whatever, those things are just things we have to live with as human beings. He said, but I got good news for you. 
if my people who are called by my name. So let me ask you something. In your heart, do you know the Lord? Then you qualify as my people. You qualify as my people. The entire nation doesn't have to do this for the blessings of God to come. If you say, I am a person of God, I know the Lord. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. So what do I do? If I say, I know the Lord, then what do I have to do? I need to humble myself. I need to acknowledge that only God can fix the problem. I need to quit trying to fix everything myself. You know, sometimes we're like uh, preschoolers at a, uh, at a soccer camp, and wherever the ball is, all 12 of them go to the ball. You know, they, just, they can't wait to kick the ball because they're not in their position. They're not understanding order and what's going on there. He says, if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves. Okay, now I got it. Okay, so I qualify. Now I've got to humble myself. And then what do I need to do? I need to pray. I need to pray. You know, prayer really works. Have you ever been shocked by prayer? There are times where I like pray and I go, wow, that really worked. I mean, I've been doing this a long time and I'm still shocked. There was something I prayed about just the other day and I go, well, that happened like in two days. And I'm shocked. Why are we shocked when, when the supernatural invades the natural? But you know, the, connect, the only connection point, it wasn't my wisdom, it wasn't my intelligence, it wasn't where, who I knew or, or how much I had, it was really just one simple thing, I just prayed. And God said, okay, here you go. And by the way, I'm going to give you this too. So if you will pray and seek my face, what does that mean? That means put God before everything else. I need to be in the presence of God. I need to be with God. Oh, and don't forget you need to turn from your wicked way. In case you forgot about some of those things, you got to turn away from those two. You can't carry that with you and expect the full blessings of God. And then there's a big word there. It's the word then. Then, when you get that done, then what am I going to do? Then I will hear from heaven. How many of you want God to hear your prayers? Amen? I mean, we all want that, right? We don't even have to lift our hand. Well, yes, I want God to hear my prayer. Then I will hear from heaven, and what will I do? I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Can I remind you, it doesn't say if every single person will humble themselves and call on my name and seek my face and turn their wicked way, that I will heal it. He says, if my people will do it. It doesn't have to be the whole world. It doesn't have to be all the United States. If you and I, if we will do this, God will hear our prayer. God loves, God loves people. And he loves to love people through people. And there's nothing more happy than, than when you see the work of God happening and changing culture and society and making it a better and safer place for children. Amen? Let's just, how about let's just talk about those little people for a while. That when the kids grow up safe and loving God and free to follow after the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you three points. I want you to write these down or take a picture on the screen because these are so good. First of all, an uncontested enemy will flourish. An uncontested enemy will flourish. If you do nothing to stop the enemy that invades society, that enemy will flourish. Your fears get bigger when you run from them. They get smaller when you face them. We've seen some unprecedented decisions by the Supreme Court in recent days. 
How about a nine to zero decision revolving around religious liberty? How does that happen? Even liberal judges on the Supreme Court said, no, this is a priority. You've got to remember that some things are happening not because of the way things are presented, but because people are praying. We're praying, we're praying. We can move the heart of people through prayer, even in high offices like the Supreme Court. Secondly, persistence demoralizes your adversary. There's nothing that wins more than persistence just hanging in the fight. You ever seen people that seem to be able to get things in life and, it's, and they really don't have anything other than they just didn't give up? They just kept going and going and going and going. And finally, you know what? Hey, my kids were that way. I'd tell them no like nine times, and they keep whining, and finally they're wearing me out. And I'm going, you know what? I don't even care anymore. I don't care what you have. Here's the keys to the car. I don't care if you're 11. <laughs> Haven't you ever had those experiences in life? You know, the only thing worse than that is, you know, when, the, when you put them on restriction. I think that's the worst idea. Because then you have to live with a mopey child. You know, I, I think they should have little kid jails somewhere, you know, where they, you just go over there and you're on restriction there. You're not really in jail, but you're on restriction so the parents won't have to deal with your mopey face. <laughs> One time I, the kids were little and I, they had drawn all over, crayons all over the wall and I said, you know what, we're going to teach you. You're going to go stand in the, put your nose in the corner. I remember I did this, my dad did this, and it seemed like a bad experience, so I thought, you know what, I want to pass, around, pass along these things that are bad experiences. So I, I put the kid in there, you know, and he's crying, and, and he's, you know, sweating, and snot's coming out of his face, and he's rubbing his hands all over the wall, and, and finally I looked, I go, i got to repaint the wall. This kid destroyed my wall. No more corners for you, you know? The only thing that really ever worked was break their toys. I, I just, I finally got to the place where I just said, uh, they were playing Nintendo one day, and, and I, we had just redone this whole basement area, all brand new sheetrock, and there were towels and posters, and they were only about this high. And I thought, well, that's unusual. I said, boys, why, why are the posters only this high off the ground? Oh, we like them when we're down here playing Nintendo so we can watch, you know, the posters. And I thought, you know, something's up here. <laughs> so I started pulling them down, and there was about 10 of them, and all of them had large holes, one of them from where they made a skateboard ramp and it went in. Another one, it looked like just two buns of a, of a young child that were rammed into the wall. <clears throat> and my first thought was, I just spent money to do this. And I thought, what am I going to do? And so I just calmly went over and I picked up their Nintendo and I unplugged it and I took the operating unit and I threw it on the ground and I smashed it into pieces. And then I walked out and I said, every time you break something of mine, I break something of yours. And I said, next time I will hacksaw your bicycle in half. <laughs> to this day, those two boys of mine say that was the greatest life lesson they ever got. <laughs> and guess what? I felt wonderful. <laughs> and no, we didn't replace the Nintendo. That's what the other mistake you got to make. You can't replace that which you destroy. All right. Here's a third one. People are going, he's awful parent. <laughs> yeah, probably am. Like you're a winner. Okay. <laughs> All right, here we go. Miracles do not go where they are needed. They go where they're expected. Miracles do not go where they're needed. 
If they did, everybody who had a need would be healed. There'd be a miracle everywhere. They go where they're expected. You see, everything that operates in the spiritual kingdom operates by faith. God works by faith. He doesn't need a lot of it. He just needs your faith. So if you have small faith, the size of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. So I don't need you to, have, I don't need you to be the, most, the biggest spiritual giant in the land. I just need you to exercise that which you have and that which you can put your hands around. Can you do that for me? Let me show you what I can do. Let me talk a little bit about the favor of a nation. Deuteronomy 11. Behold, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. It's like Jesus said, there's two roads. There's a wide road and a narrow road. But God says, you know what? I'm going to set before you, I'm going to set before you two options. One is a blessing and one is a curse. Which would you choose? Well, all of us, if we're reasonable people, would say, I want the blessing, amen? I want to be blessed by God. And yet said, yet, here's how, what's attached to the blessing. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, that's going to be a blessing, it's really simple. Can I just do what God says to do, right? And when I fail to do that, can I just stop, pause, and return back to the Lord? Can I just confess to him that I didn't get it right and go in the right direction? That's what he's talking about here. And the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way which I command you today to go after other gods which you have not known. You know, when I read that, a couple of thoughts came to me. One was that I can choose to be blessed. I promise you this. If you will just start saying this over and over in your life, I'm blessed of God. You're going to be amazed what you're, what you're attracted to and, what it, and who is attracted to you to bless you. You say, I don't know. Yeah, try it. Just try it. The second thing is to have a zeal for the house of God. You know, the scripture, and it's repeated by G, in, in, in the Gospels by Jesus, it says in Psalm 69, 9, that to have a zeal for the house, that is the house of God, has consumed me. There's something about being with God's people. And when you have a zeal for that, you say, I just want to be with God's people, and I want to hear the word of God, and I want to sing the praises of God, and I want to, I want to be a participant in the kingdom and all that God is doing. The blessing comes to you. Psalm 84, 10. Blessed, uh, or better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. He's talking here about being in the house of God. It's better to be one day, just get one day, than to be in all the other places, all the other places, a thousand places at a time. He said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the, t- the tents of wickedness. Just a doorkeeper. Just a humble servant who just loves God wants to help, wants to serve, gives what they can, when they can, and all of a sudden there's just something that comes from that. It's such a great blessing. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. There it is again. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk blameless. That God doesn't, he's not a, he's not a, a stingy God that's withholding. He's a generous God. 